Thank you, That's Father. That's why you are amazing. Thank you, Yahweh. You're worthy, oh God. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of praise. You're the lion of Judah. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Father. Oh, we just take this time to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for victory in our life, oh, Father. Thank you that we are overcomers, oh, Lord. Because of what your son, Jesus, died on the cross, oh, Lord. How good you are. How big you are. Thank you, Father. You are amazing, God. That you sustain us. That you keep you one us. That you provide for us. You are amazing, Lord. You Thank you that you do not change, oh Father. You are the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, Lord. You are amazing, Father. And we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we give Come you on, the put your honor. hands together if you love them. And there is no other if besides you, you, Father. We just you thank you. We just praise you, Lord. I want to introduce to you, B. We thank you for your word, oh Father God. That your word is life, Father. That your word brings healing, oh Lord God. We thank you, Yahweh. That there is no other besides you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you in Yeshua Hamashiach's name. Thank you, Father. Father, may you open up the ears of the hearers, Lord. And may we receive manna from you, Father, that would bring healing to our spirit, our soul, and our bodies today. May your word, Father, penetrate our hearts, O Father. May you illuminate our minds, O Father, to receive enlightenment and revelation, Father, in this study. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Yahweh. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name, we pray. Amen. We're welcome, beloved. Welcome. I know that I have not been here uh, online uh, in a cup in a month, really, because I've been seeking the Lord concerning some things, and I don't like to just come on to give a lesson without really seeking the Lord. Because then I'll be leaning to my own understanding, ministering out of my flesh. And I don't want to minister out of my flesh. So if you can understand that, that sometimes we need to seek God and wait upon Him to tell us to move forward. Because if we move in our own flesh, we end up hitting a, a, a brick wall. Thank you for joining us online today on this this uh, conference call, this Saturday afternoon Bible study that uh, GICTC, Home of the Warriors, give every Saturday whenever the Lord prompts. Remember that this is whenever the Lord prompts me to do so. Today's topic we're going to start with God's plan for healing and deliverance. Now if you have your word with you, I want you to pull up scriptures and follow along with me as we go through this. This is very critical in our Christian walk 
to the believer that we, when we receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior and King, our spirit is reborn, but our flesh is still dead. We must understand that. We have to understand that. So if you follow along with me, if you would pull up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 out the Amplified Bible. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now if you would like to receive... Um, the lesson plan, the questions that I transferred into Word document or PTF, please let me know and I will send it to you because there's two graphics on here that you're not able to see. So to help us in understanding man, to understand ourselves, some people look at him as being made up of three basic areas, the body, the soul and the spirit. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 reads out the amplified. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is separate you from profane and vulgar things. Make you pure and whole and undamaged consecrated to him set apart for his purpose we must understand that when we came into the body of Christ into Christ himself we have been set apart we have been consecrated for his purpose and may your spirit and your soul and your body be, be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you would. I want you to see this. Make three circles. You have the outer circle which is the body. You have the inner circle which is the spirit. Make sure I'm getting this right. Okay, and you have the spirit, the soul, and the body. The spirit is the centerpiece. You have the mind, the will, and emotions, which is your soul. The body deals with your sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. The spirit is intuition, fellowship, conscience. Let's talk about the spirit. Which Adam was made of in the beginning of his creation. The spirit of man deals with the spiritual realm. That is the, that is the part that connects to God. It is the part of man in which the Spirit of God dwells. It can be divided into three parts, intuition, conscience, and fellowship. The conscience is the door of your spirit. I want you to get that. 
Your conscience is so important. You know, I shared this with a sister in the Lord about our conscience. And in her flesh, she said that I was a false teacher. But if you read in the New Testament, Paul often talked about the conscience. The conscience is the door of our spirit. It is that it is that that tells us right from wrong is our conscience by which we feel guilt. Our conscience. Sin makes the conscience dull. I want you to get this. When we sin willingly and continue to live a lifestyle of sin, it makes our conscience very dull and not sensitive to the Spirit of God by shearing it with a hot iron. Turn your swords to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to read that first out of the King James Version. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Welcome, beloved, welcome. I'm glad that you was able to join us. Our topic today is that God's plan for healing and deliverance. If you're just now tuning in. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience sheared with a hot iron. Now, the cattle ranchers, they use a shear, a hot iron, to place their stamp on the cattle that belong to them. And when we sin... This is what happens to our conscience. Hallelujah. In the Amplified it reads, But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declare that in latter times some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons. Misled by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are sheared as with a branding iron, leaving them incapable of ethical functioning. Now that is a dangerous place to be in. The conscience is the door by which we open our spirits, our spirit, to the Spirit of God. The intuition, now let's talk about that. The intuition is the knower that by which we perceive or sense things or circumstances, the fellowship area of our spirit is that which is made to have fellowship with God. It is impossible to fellowship without honesty or openness. Hear me, it is impossible to fellowship, whether it's with God 
or with man without honesty or openness. The soul. The soul of man is that which deals with the mental and emotional realm of man. It is the set of man's personality, which is your soul, his intellect, his emotions, and his will. It is with his mind a person understands. The body. The body is that part of which deals with the physical realm. It is dominated by the five senses and is the vehicle by which we communicate to the outside world, which is of the flesh of man. Isaiah chapter 61. If you would, turn your swords there to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4 we are going to read. Isaiah chapter 61 Verses 1 through 4. Glory to God. And it reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord had anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Are you bound? Hallelujah. Are you captive by something that's going on in your life? Glory to God. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus has come to set us free. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all those that mourn. God wants to comfort you. God wants to set you free. God wants to deliver you. And to pour his anointing into you so that you can go and do the same. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. The Lord wants to plant you today. That he might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. And it starts with us beloved. Hallelujah. Jesus came to set us free. It is these ministries listed in the scripture quoted above that the spirit of the Lord is upon us to accomplish. I don't see it happening in the church in America today. We are more in tune on uh, what they call them um, motivational preachers, but not really teaching the word of God. It is for this that he has anointed us. It is in the passage that we find the basis for the ministry of interhealing and deliverance for the body of Christ. As we study this passage carefully, we find that there are three main areas involved in the ministry, and they are as follows. One, healing of the memories. God wants to heal our memories. 
binding up the brokenhearted, setting at liberty those that are bruised. Are you bruised today? God wants to set you free. God wants to mend your broken heart. He wants to bring healing up on you today. Two, deliverance. Proclaiming deliverance to the captives. The opening of prison to those who are bound. You can be in prison within your mind. Those that do not know Christ, who are unsaved, are in prison. Hallelujah. And their master is Satan. Three, breaking and renouncing curses, which are passed down from generation to generation. Raising up the former devastation. Repairing the desolations of many generations. In this study, we will take each of these areas separately by going over the, the scriptural basis for each one. It is written in Malachi in the Gospel of Matthew that before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah the prophet will be sent to restore our hearts. Obadiah says, the deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esha, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. The prof this prophetic ministry of interhealing, deliverance and restoration of the individual believer is part of the great restoration which is taking place in the body of Christ today. It is the preparation of the spirit for the revealing of the Lord. Before the glory of the Lord can be re revealed, a highway of holiness must be prepared for him. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, it reads out the King James, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she had received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. The voice of him that cried in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. If you remember John the Baptist was the one that was preparing the way for Jesus. Here we are to, in 2021. Once again that we are preparing the way for the king's coming. Preparing the people for the king's coming. And part of that ministry is restoring. Part of that ministry is deliverance. Part of that ministry is healing the broken. Glory to God is breaking the curses off of the people. Question. What is the cry going forth at this hour? Isaiah chapter 5. We just read that Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 5. 
the first is to comfort my people. This is the cry that is going forth at this hour. Comfort my people, says the Lord, declaring that her warfare is ended and her iniquities has been removed. Two, clear the way for the Lord. This is the cry that should be going on today. Three, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Four, let every valley be lifted up and every mountain be made low. Six, let the rough ground become a plain plain and rugged. And five, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 14 out of the Amplified Bible it reads, and the word of one shall go forth, cast up, cast up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of the spiritual return of my people. <coughs> Excuse me, out of the spiritual way of my people. What is being said to the church by the Spirit for today? In Isaiah 57 14, is he telling us that we are to build up, to prepare the way, to remove every obstacle out of the way of my people? He wants to remove every obstacle out of our way. Glory to God, so that we can receive Christ when he returns. It is the preparation that inner healing and deliverance bring about in the life of the believer. Turn your swords to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27. And we're going to read that out of the Amplified Bible. Hallelujah. The question is, is what kind of church is Jesus coming for? And how will she be cleansed? Here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27, it gives us the answer. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such things that she might be holy and faultless so what kind of church is Jesus coming for and how will she be cleansed we are cleansed by the word he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle and he wants to wash us by the washing of the water of the word when we read the word of God we are being washed we are being cleansed because God's word stands and it will never change. The word sanctify, it means Christ's purpose in giving himself up for the church is to sanctify her, not only separating her to himself from everything common, but also saturating her with his element that she may be his counterpart. He accomplishes this by cleansing her by the washing of the water in the word. This was quote from Witness Lee. If you would, turn your swords to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. That is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10.
This is dealing with to sanctify. He he has sanctified us. And and the only way we can be cleaned is by the word of God. Is by his word. Glory to God. I have forgot to pull my um my um my Bible uh, my Bible program up. So Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 reads out the Amplified. And in accordance with this, with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. We have been made consecrated and sanctified. But remember, as I said earlier, and as we began the lesson, that sin, hallelujah, it shears our conscience. Sin is death for the born-again believer. In verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For by a single offering he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. We're still in the book of Hebrews. If you will jump to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. Hebrews 13 and verse 12 reads out the Amplified. Therefore Jesus also suffered and died outside the city's, city's gate. In order that he might purify and consecrate the people. Through the shedding of his own blood. And set them apart. As holy for God. Also, turn your uh, James, James chapter one and verse seventeen. James chapter one and verse seventeen. Mm, I think I got that one wrong. Um, okay, never mind. James chapter seven, uh, seven verse seventeen. One. Okay, but Christ, His purpose, His purpose for giving up His life, and that we may, that He may saturate us with His element, with His essence, so that we can be a counterpart. The word wash. The word wash. Turn your swords to First Corinthians, chapter six, and verse eleven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. It reads out the Amplified. And such, such, and such some of you were once. We're going to go up a little bit. Mm. We're going to go up to verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And then we're going to read it down to verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 9 and read it down to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers would not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers would not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, misled, 
neither the impure or immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor cheats, swindlers, and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanderers, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Verse 11 is our key verse. And such some of you were once, but you were washed, clean, purified by a complete atonement for sin, and made free from the guilt of sin, and you were consecrated, set apart, hollowed, and you were justified, pronounced righteous, by trusting in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit of God. So we have been set free. We have been washed, literally washed, and the King James is laver. In Greek, the definite article is used before this word, causing it to refer to the laver, the laver that was known to all the Jews. In the Old Testament, the priests used the laver to wash away their earthly garments. You could read that in Exodus chapter 30, verse 18 to 21. Now the laver... The washing of the water washes us from defilement. The laver, L-A-V-E-R. One, it was a large basin used in the ancient Jewish temple by a priest for absolutions before making a sacrificial offering. They had to be cleansed and wash themselves physically before entering the temple before even making a sacrifice. A vessel or basin, especially one used for washing, any spiritual cleaning. Now Exodus twenty four verse Exodus twenty nine verse four reads out the Amplified, and bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tent of meeting, out where the laver is, and wash them with water. This represents baptism or spiritual cleaning. This represents baptism. Ephesians 5 verse 26, talking about the water. This is the note. According to the divine concept, water here refers to the flowing life of God, which is typified by flowing water. You can read that in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 10, verse 4, John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, and Revelations chapter 21, verse 6, chapter 22, verse 1 and 17 of Revelation. The washing of the water here is different from the washing of the redeeming blood of Christ. The redeeming blood washes away our sins. Turn your sword to 1 John <coughs> chapter 1 and verse 7. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. And it reads out the Amplified. 
But if we really, really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin and all its forms and manifestations keeps us cleansed from all its forms and manifestations muted <coughs> unmuted I'm sorry guys <clears throat> Had to get me some water. So when baptism, when we identify ourselves with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we are cleansed in water as the priest was in Exodus. Here, the water of life washes away the blemishes of the natural life of our old man such as the spot or wrinkle or any such things mentioned in verse 27 here in Ephesians. In separating and sanctifying the church, the Lord first washes away our sins with his blood and then washes away our natural blemishes with his life. We are now in such a washing process that the church may be holy and without blemish. Now the word, when he's talking about we are washed by the word, it says the Greek word denotes an inst uh, instant word. The indwelling Christ as the life-giving spirit is always speaking an instant, present, living word to metaphorically cleanse away the old and replace it with the new causing an inward transformation. The word will cause an inward transformation. The cleansing by the washing of the water of life is in the word of Christ. That's why it's so important that we read the, the New Testament because we're under the new covenant and Christ is the king. This indicates that in the word of Christ, there is the water of life. This is typified by the laver situated between the altar and the tabernacle. Let's go there. Exodus chapter 38. I did not put that, that down. Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8. Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8. And this is why baptism in water is so important. It reads out the Amplified, He made the laver and its base of bronze from the mirrors of the women who ministered at the door of the tent of meetings. So remember, when before the priests could enter in, they had to be washed in water. Christ, hallelujah, wash us with his blood. He cleanses us by his blood. He washes and cleanses us by his word. And the word represents water, washing of the water of life, which is 
Christ's word. Exodus 40 verse 7 reads, you don't have to turn there, and you shall set the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. This is why baptism is important. He said to present us, to present us. In the past, Christ as the Redeemer gave himself up for the church, for redemption and the impartation of life. In the present, he has the life-giving spirit, is sanctifying the church through separation, saturation, transformation, growth, and building up. And in the future, he as the bridegroom will present the church to himself as his counterpart for his sanctification. Therefore, Christ loving the church is to separate and to sanctify her and his separating and sanctifying the church are to present her to himself. So Christ wants to do a work in us. Glory to God. He wants to do a work in you. He wants to pr present us as being holy. To be holy is to be saturated with Christ. To be holy means to be saturated with Christ and transformed by him. And to be without blemish is to be spotless and without wrinkles, having nothing of the natural life of our old man. In Leviticus chapter 1, verse 9, it reads out the Amplified, But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. Talking about the sacrifice that the priest gave upon the altar to God. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar for a burnt offering. An offering by fire, a sweet and satisfying odor to the Lord. You see, they had to wash that animal which they had sacrificed. Question. We see a picture of this inner working in the offering up of the burnt sacrifice. The sacrifice was not one for atoning of sins, but one offered to purify those believers who desired fellowship with God. This was not a, a compulsionary offering, but a free will offering. It was known as the fellowship offering. What did the priest do with the inner parts of this offering? What did the priest do with the inner parts of this, this offering? They had, to, they had to wash the insides with water. The insides was washed with water. They had to clean it. In Psalms chapter 51, verse, verses 6 and 7, Psalms chapter 51, verse 6 and 7, David cried out to the Lord, Behold, you desire truth in the inner being. Make me therefore to know wisdom in my inmost heart. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean ceremonially. Wash me, and I shall in reality be whiter than so. We should make this part of our prayer when we are before the Lord. We should be asking him to wash us and cleanse us that we may be pure before him. 
what does the Lord what does the Lord desire in the innermost parts he desires truth he desires truth hallelujah well when Jesus was talking to the lady at the well he told her that God is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth whose responsibility is it to administer this inner healing and deliverance to the believer turn your swords to Ezekiel chapter 34 I mean yeah chapter 34 verses 2 through 4 we're going to read that out the Amplified we're going to find out whose responsibility is it and is it being done today in Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 2 through 4 it reads son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to them even to the spiritual shepherds thus says the Lord God woe to the spiritual shepherds of Israel who feed themselves is that not going on today beloved should not the shepherds feed the sheep you eat the fat you clothe yourselves with wool you kill the fatlings but you do not feed the sheep the diseased and weak you have not strengthened the sick you have not healed the hurt and crippled you have not bandaged those gone astray you have not brought back the lost you have not sought to find but with force and hard-hearted hardness you have ruled them is that not going on today is that not going on today in order to get a prayer in you got to pay them to pray for you that is not God the the, the responsibility to, to, to administer into healing and deliverance to you to the believer that falls on the shepherds but we but they're too busy having these motivational conferences not bringing true healing to the believer feel good messages hallelujah while they're broken while they're starving spiritually hallelujah not giving them what Jesus said glory to God the Lord wants to bring healing and deliverance to you and me I want this healing I want this deliverance what does God desire to have proclaimed in the church today Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 2 that this is the acceptable year of the Lord he wants to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord the year of his favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion to give them an ornament a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning 
the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burden and failing spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Isaiah 61 verse 2 and 3. Our base scripture. I remember glory to God. When God had uh, restored me. When I returned back unto the Lord. I was seeking to be restored. I was seeking to be prayed for. I was seeking hallelujah. To be healed. And I, I didn't just see people outside of the church. I saw people in the church that I knew. Hallelujah. No, I was rejected on every end. Didn't even get prayed for. Glory to God. Didn't get ministered to, to their shame. But it took God himself to bring that healing, that restoration and, and to restore me. Glory to God. Because there's no one that they don't care. But I'm here to tell you, beloved, that I care. Hallelujah. It might be noted here that the favorable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. In this time of Jubilee in Israel, everything was returned to his rightful owner. And each man received back his inheritance. Jesus desires that the year of Jubilee be proclaimed, proclaimed in his church, that they might receive back what the enemy has destroyed and taken from them. God wants to restore what the enemy has taken and destroyed from you. What exhortation do we have from the prophet Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1 and 2. What exhortation do we have from the prophet Isaiah? Let us read. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come unto you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourselves from the dust. Arise, sit, erect in a dignified place, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. So what is the exhortation do we have from the prophet Isaiah? He's telling us to awake. And clothe ourselves in strength and beautiful garments. He's telling us to shake ourselves from the dust, O captive. He's telling us to loose yourself from the chains around your neck. That talks about slavery in a bad way. The inner healing. Healing of the memories. God wants to heal your memories. The brain has one billion cubicles for storage of information and memories. It's like a computer. People who were mentally healthy bury unpleasantries 
but will go through their lives reacting to certain situations and not realizing why. Back in the mind is buried a memory that is distasteful, which brings the reaction. Everyone has a reason for reacting the way he or she does. Every person has a reason for acting the way that he or she does. What does the Lord desire to do for those wounds? I want you to mark this in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. God wants to heal your wounds today. He wants to heal your wounds throughout the week. He wants to heal those wounds. Glory to God. They may not, not all be healed at once, but he wants to bring healing in that area. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Um, Stephan, are you there? If you have that verse, I want you to read this verse. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6? Yes. From the sole of the foot, even to the head. Okay, I can read that. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness or health in the nation's body. But wounds and bruises and flesh and bleeding stripes, they have not been pressed out and closed up or bound up or softened with oil. No one has trouble to seek a remedy. That's coming out of the Amplified. Amen. That's what Christ Amen. wants to do for you. That's what Christ wants to do for us. He desires for us to be pressed out, bandaged and softened with oil or anointment. He wants to pour the healing balm of Gilead upon our wounds. Hallelujah. He wants to restore us. And it begins in our memories. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse tweet, th uh, 3, like what is Jesus' name? What is Jesus' name? It reads at the Amplified, and she continues, The odor of your anointments is fragrant. Your name is like perfume poured out. Therefore do the maidens love you. What is Christ's name? It is like perfume oiled or anointment poured forth. He wants to pour himself upon you. We find that in Jesus' name abides this healing ointment. Only in Yeshua's name do we find healing. The anointment. We want him to Pour that anointing oil upon us that will heal our memory, that will heal our broken heart, that will heal our wounds. People who are mentally healthy, they bury those wounds. Hallelujah. If, any, if, uh, if many of these hurts and bruises are hidden in our memory and forgotten, how can we know them? Think about that. If many of these hurts and bruises are hidden in our memory and forgotten, how can we know them? We sometimes ask us, we wonder why we do the things that we do. 
as adults, everything begins in our childhood. Glory to God. When we are devastated, we like he said, we put it in the back of our mind. We bury it. But how can we bring those things up so that God can heal them that we have forgotten about? Let's go to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 22. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 22. It reads out the Amplified. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. We have to go to God because he knows the deep and secret things. It's by the revelation of the Lord that those hidden memories and forgotten things that we have experienced that were bad, that he knows about. We, we've forgot, totally forgotten about them. Hallelujah. He's the one that's able to bring those things up so that you can be healed. If we pray and ask God to reveal what is hidden there, what, what will he do? Verse 23 says, he will reveal it to you. He will reveal that to you if you're willing, only if you're willing. He said, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, Daniel chapter 2, verse 23, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known to me now what we desired of you. For you have made known to us the solution to the king's problem. Hallelujah. Only God can show you you. Only God can bring up those memories. If you want to be healed from those things that's causing you to do things that you don't understand why you're doing. Hallelujah. What gift is vital to this ministry? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8. What gift is vital to this ministry? It reads out the Amplified. To one is given in and through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom. And to another the power to express a word of knowledge. And understanding according to the same Spirit. Today, I want us to be healed so that we can operate in the true Ruah HaKadosh. And the true Spirit of God. That we can bring healing to those that are hurting. But we must first be healed. Many today... They so they, they prophesied this and they I'm I'm say, I had so many people prophesy incorrect things to me is unbelievable. The Holy Spirit does not get nothing wrong. The Holy Spirit don't make mistakes, beloved. But we do when we are ministering in our flesh. I want us to learn today how to minister, allow the Holy Spirit to minister through us. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to minister through us, he will give us a word of knowledge about that person. Even about ourselves. And he will hit it dead on the head. He will not be wrong. This is vital to the body of Christ. 
the word of knowledge. The basis of this ministry is to illustrate it by one sentence in the book of James. What is it? It says to confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is what we are supposed to be doing, but is not happening in the body of Christ. He said we are to confess our sins one to another, someone that we can trust, someone that will not judge us. That we would pray for one another that we may be healed. Glory to God. And it's not happening in the body of Christ. You can't trust anybody in the body of Christ. This should not be, beloved. If I come to you with a problem that I have, something that I have, a mistake I have made, and I'm sharing this with you. I, I expect for you not to be a, a sink, a, a water faucet. You go share that with other people and then you judge me on top of that. But leave it all. You don't even pray for me to be healed or to be delivered. See, love is, is, is a verb. It demonstrates. Love will not lead you to walk off a cliff. Love will lead you straight to Christ. Love would help you to be who you're supposed to be in Christ. God's love, that is. True love will. Hallelujah. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart the earnest heartfelt continual prayer of a righteous man makes remedies power tremendous power available dynamic in its working a dynamite in its working this is what we're supposed to be doing in the body of Christ for one another not for the world but for one another. To pray for one another. Not to gossip. Not to give your opinion. About what you think. What does the word of God say? We are to remind one another. Who we are in Christ. Not to tear down. Not to judge. But to bring healing and restoration. What must the attitude of the person who has been hurt be in order to receive this healing? What must our attitude be in order to receive our healing? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. It reads out the Amplified. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God and Christ forgave you. It's a couple of key points here. We must be willing to forgive that person who has hurt us. 
We must be willing to forgive that person that hurt us. Sometimes it is hard to forgive. But we still got to pray and ask God to give us, give us by faith we forgive. You know, forgiving, forgiving is also, when you forgive a person, that's also an action word. He said, become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, lovinghearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is not in the church, beloved. I have not myself personally, I'm me personally, I have not witnessed it. Spoken too harshly. There was no compassion at all for me. They wanted my money, yeah. I'll never forget. I'm not going to say who it is. But I received a letter at my mom's house stating, Can we come over and pray for you that the Lord will bless you with a job? Not to pray that I be restored. Not to pray that the Lord will heal me. Not to pray, hallelujah, but to pray that he will bless me with a job. I, I didn't need a job at that time. I wanted to be spiritually healed. I wanted to be restored. Because at that time, I had lost faith in God. I had lost my way because of all the terrible things that had happened to me. I was, I was so offended that they did not care enough for my soul to want to pray for me to be restored. But glory to God, I have forgiven them and moved on. Hallelujah. You know, we have to give account for everything that we do. What provisions did, but, but we must be willing to forgive that person who has hurt us. We must be willing. Some, some people have hurt us that we have completely blocked out of our mind. That it's going to take the Lord to reveal that. What provisions did Jesus make for this inner healing of broken hearts in the atonement? What provision did Jesus make for this inner healing? Of broken hearts in the atonement. In Isaiah 53 and verse 4. He says surely he has brought our griefs. Sicknesses. Weaknesses. And distress. And carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken. Smitten and afflicted by God. As if with, as if with leprosy. Turn your swords to Matthews chapter 8 and verse 17. Matthews chapter 8 and verse 17. It reads out the Amplified. And thus he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. 
he himself carried our griefs, our sorrows. He bore that for us. He carried that on himself. We must see that, beloved. You must see that. That is not in me, is not in the preacher behind the pulpit, is not on Facebook. It's in Christ that he has done all of this. He did that for us even before we were thought about before we were even conceived. Let that sink into your heart. That he thought about the sorrows. He thought about the pains, the heartaches that we were going to face in this life before we were even born. He bore those for us. Any provision in the atonement must be appropriated by faith. Jesus died for the sins of the world, yet each person must individually appropriate that forgiveness by faith or they cannot be saved. Jesus bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we have been spiritually healed. Yet we must appropriate this healing by faith in order to be healed. Likewise, he himself bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's carrying our griefs right now. He's carrying our sorrows right now. The word of God said, come and cast your cares up on me for I care it for you. If nobody else cares for you, Jesus does. The Lord has provided a ministry through which we may receive this inter-healing. We can receive this inter-healing throughout our walk with Christ. Instead of seeking him for things like he's a genie in the bottle, we should be asking him and praying that he would bring healing to our spirit and our soul. That he would bring healing to our mind. That he would deliver us from the arrows that the enemy used people to shoot at us. What three things does the Lord desire his shepherds to do in the area of inter-healing. What three things. Does the Lord desire his shepherds. His pastors. His apostles. His prophets to do in the area of inter-healing. We find our answer in Isaiah 61. Verse 1 and 2. We, we will find our answer. In Isaiah 61. Verse 1 and 2. Um, okay. One, he wants to bind up the brokenhearted. Let's read that. Amplify. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Believe it or not, when I received Christ back in 1986, this was a second scripture. He gave me Jeremiah 1 and Isaiah 61 1 and 2 that he gave me. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So what are the three things does God, the Lord, desires for his shepherds to do in the area of interhealing? One, to bind up the brokenhearted. That means that you're going to have to take time with that person. That means that you're going to have to minister the word of God to that person. Two, to comfort all who mourn. You know, as people out here that will rejoice over your fall, will rejoice over your hurt, they won't cry with you. They won't mourn with you. But we are to comfort all who mourn. To set at liberty those who are bruised. Have you been bruised in a situation? We want to, He wants to set you free. Glory to God. Liberty means freedom. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. It reads out the Amplified. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. God wants to bring interhealing to us so that we will be able to do what Jesus does. So that we will be able to follow in his footsteps. To bring those that are captives to set them free. To bring healing to them. Hallelujah. What will the Lord give to replace the mourning? He will give us a garland. What does a garland mean? What is a garland? A wrap or Festan, especially one of plated flowers or leaves worn on the body or draped as a decoration. He wants to dress us up spiritually. He wants to bring that, that beauty to us. It's also a representation of such a wrap used as an archaeological, archaeological anointment uh, uh, device. A mark of honor or tribute. Hallelujah. The oil of gladness. He wants to restore your happiness, beloved. He wants to bring back that spirit of gladness within us, within you. He wants to bring inter healing. And the manifestation of his beauty will be seen outward. Isaiah 61 verse 3 reads, To grant consolation and joy. To those who mourn in Zion. Are you mourning? But he wants to bring you consolation and joy. To give them an ornament. A garland. A diadem of beauty. Instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment expressive of praise. Instead of heaviness. He wants to set you free. Burden and 
unfailing spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness is your spirit burden is your spirit failing you he wants to lift you up he wants to make you strong like an oak tree he wants to manifest himself in you glory to God he wants to bring you honor what will the Lord give to replace the spirit of heaviness or fainting? What will he give to you? He wants to give you the mantle of praise. Glory to God. What promise of this inner healing do we have from the Lord? In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 17 through 18. What promise of this inner healing do we have from the Lord? Isaiah 57 Verse 17, verse 17 through 19 reads, Because of the iniquity of Judah's covetousness and unjust gain, I was angry and smote him. I hid my face and was angry. Don't you know sin will cause God to hide his face from you? Don't you know that unconfessed sin will, hallelujah, keep God away from you? Keep you away from God. And he went on turning away and backsliding in the way of his own willful heart. Hallelujah. When, when we willfully sin, that separates our relationship with the Lord. And the greatest delusion that the enemy has spoken into people's ears and their hearts that Oh, you can still have a relationship with God and continue to sin. No, beloved, no. That is a lie. Sin separates you from the Lord. Unconfessed. He said that he would turn his back from you. He won't even hear your prayers. The only prayer that he, can, he will receive from you is a prayer of repentance. So that you can be washed and cleansed and strengthened in him. He said, and he went on turning away and backsliding in the way of his own willful heart. I have seen his willful ways. This is the Lord speaking, but I will heal him. God says that he wants to heal you. I will lead him also and will recompense him and restore comfort to him and to those who mourn for him. Peace, peace to him who is far off, both Jew and Gentile. And to him who is near, says the Lord, I create the fruit of his lips and I will heal him, make his lip blossom with speech and thankful praise. When we truthfully in truth come to the Lord, acknowledging our backslidden ways, acknowledging our sin before him, he says that he wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring comfort to you. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to close in a bit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, it reads, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away. Even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. If you have truly not made a commitment to the Lord, 
Now is the time. Time is running out. Probation period is getting ready to close. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 through 17 it reads, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away, through by in the blood of Christ have been brought near. He's bringing you near. He's calling you to come closer to him. For he is himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jew and Gentile one body and has broken down, destroyed, abolished the hostile dividing wall between us. By abolishing in his own body, own crucified flesh, the enmity caused by the law with his decrees and ordinance which he annulled, that he from the two might create in himself one new man, one new quality of humanity out of the two, so making peace. People say that we don't live by the law. Well, what law did Christ crucify on the cross? He crucified the sacrificial law. It's rules and it's regulations that the priest had to follow. Understand that. The sacrificial law was nailed to the cross because Christ became the lamb. He is the lamb that took away and takes away the sin of the world, that takes away our sin. Okay. And he designed to reconcile to God both Jews and Gentiles united in a single body by means of his cross thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the, the few to an end. And he came and preached the glad tidings of peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Next week we're going to talk about deliverance. We're going to talk about deliverance next week. Now, like I said, if you want this lesson... Let me know and I will send it to you. Um, you can get the workbook, but I say it, it, it's just a lesson, just one particular lesson. God's want, He wants to bring inner healing to you. He wants to bring deliverance. It's more to just coming to Christ. We must be delivered from those things that we have entertained in our life when we did not know him. We must have deliverance. Curses must be broken off of our family members, off of, off of, our, uh, off of us. And we're going to talk about that next week, if the Lord permits. Um, do anyone have any questions? Anyone have any statements that they would like to make at this time? The mic is open to you. Um, I had a, a few questions. I'm listening. You there? Yeah, I'm listening. Um, when you were when you're speaking on the lather, um, is that considered uh, typically seaweed that I found around sushi, or is that a specific uh, type of seaweed that is supposed to be uh, healthy to eat to bring about these thoughts that you're, you're 
speaking of, when you're speaking of the Ruach HaKadosh, I'm wondering if, um, you know, consuming this lava, this type of seaweed is what, you know, helps with that. Um, you talking about the lava, L-A-V-E-R? Yes, Mama Bird. When I'm when I'm looking up uh, the definition of it, it, it claims to be a type of seaweed that you know is typically found in Japan. So okay. that's what I'm wondering if that's what you're referring to is uh, the the type of healthy seaweed. If that helps bring about the thoughts, you know, of cleansing and you know brings about that that spirit of the anointing one, the the Ruach Hakadosh that you were speaking of earlier. Mm, that's 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 a good one. I don't know, Baby Bird. Um, I, I believe here in this, they, the laver, you know, there is a different type of laver that the, uh, the old adults used back in the day before we had washing machines. They do have a laver soap that they use to wash their clothes with. It's called, it's a laver soap that actually, it's actually a soap that they use. What it's made of, I don't know. But here he's talking about something oh, okay. that is will clean you. That the Old Testament priests had to be washed in laver. They literally had to be. They had to clean their their, their flesh. They couldn't just go before God unclean. But Christ is that laver. He's the one. It's the Word of God. Look at it in a spiritual sense. That this laver is the Word of God that cleanses us and every time that we read the word of God notice that uh, the scripture said that with the washing of water by the word of God that cleanses us it's his word that brings the transformation you, you understand yes is that the, the Ruach HaKadosh that you're speaking of that, that brings upon that, that spirit of uh the, of the anointed one? Yes. Okay. Thank you for explaining. And then I had a, a one other question. Okay. Um, concerning, uh, well, actually two other questions, but the first question is uh, the, the Hesit. Um, when I'm looking up that one as well, it, it mm -hmm. says a wild shrub of uncertain identity whose twigs were used for sprinkling in ancient Jewish rites of purification. Okay. So is that something if we choose to take you know, that bath and that, that water that you're speaking of, if we get a hold of some of these hassocks and we choose to break these twigs up and sprinkle it in the water, mm -hmm. is that something that's also good as well? I mean, yes, it is good, but you have to understand that that was something used in the old day. What replaced that, that washing in that basin, what actually replaced that was baptism. And As we go on with the deliverance, you, you we're going to come up on that. The baptism... Um, you will find that in the book of Romans. That's why I had you read Romans. When we are baptized, submerged under the water, that is a washing, believe it or not, in water. That's why Christ said that you must be born again of water and the spirit. So when you identified yourself in Christ, his death, his burial... You're dying to yourself when you, in other words, when you stand in that baptismal pool or whether it's a lake or baptismal pool, you're confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you go under the water, you are experiencing his death. That's a washing. 
when you come up out of the water, you have identified yourself with his resurrection. That's why the word said that you are a new creation in Christ. So when the priests had to go before God, they had to be, be clean. The basin was set right at the door of the tent of meetings. They had to be washed in water. We are washed in baptism and with the word of God. Um, the um, okay with, with with that with that being said, Mama Bird, there's uh, one other question that the Spirit brings upon me. Okay, when you're saying that they had to visit, you know, this temple to receive guidance, would the equivalent of that be, say, for instance, if I take you know a time out once a week to go to like a private beach or something, you know, during a sunset, you know, where I create a time that's private mm -hmm. um, to step into that salt water of the ocean and, you know, you know, put myself under the water to have a private conversation. Would that be the same as, as taking a cleansing, you know, every week to, to have that private conversation and, you know, try to renew myself? Um, or is it just a one-time thing that's supposed to happen or is it something that's that you a can do, thing. you know, repeatedly as many times as needed? No, that was a, the, the the only time that you would need to be rebaptized is if you have backslidden back into the world, and then you come back to the Lord. Um, the baptism is a one-time thing, but I will say this: that is spending quality time with the Lord. You understand? Is going to the beach, you sitting yeah, so, there, and you so spending time with the Lord, and. And even if you do step in the water, so you know, remember the sometimes the Holy Spirit, the water represents the Holy Spirit also. You know what I'm saying? So I don't see anything yes, wrong in that. Yeah, I don't see nothing okay, wrong with so that. So it would be something that would would be probably beneficial, you know, because we're all prone to make mistakes, even after that baptism and fighting this fight, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the week. All of us are still prone to make mistakes here and now. Right. So. Um, after taking what you're saying, it still would be beneficial to try and go and spend that quality time just to have a conversation, you know, about what went on through your week yeah. and maybe what slip-ups you might have had so that when the following week comes up, you're more equipped and prepared, you know, when that battle comes back. Because every test that we fail, I know from your prior teachings that we have to repeat that test in a different form until we can pass that test to continue. Right, right. I see what you're saying. In other words, washing that, that, that off of you. Spending time in, in the presence of the Lord and allowing that, that seawater, that salt water to, to, to wash you, to cleanse you. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah it's beneficial. Yeah, it's beneficial. Yes, that would be, definitely be. That's okay. why I like going to the beach a lot. <laughs> Maybe not, you know, for that yes, reason that you too, said, but the salt it, water. yeah, it, it would be, be beneficial. Um, and then uh, the last question I had was about the Jubilee meaning, because when I, you know, looked that up after you're speaking on it, it's saying a celebration of the 25 or 50 years when you said that they were returning everyone that had something taken to them, it's been returned. Mm -hmm. So is that like... A type of anniversary present because once you pass that 25 year mark you know you've done something good to even make it to that mark and so then you're you're trying to push forward to that 50 year mark you know to receive things that were taken from you as punishment because you were making mistakes 
So is that what the Jubilee means? Is that something to look no, forward uh -uh. to as an anniversary present? Okay. No, uh-uh. No, that's not what it meant. You know, we have a seven-year period, too. The, actually, America uh, actually put that in practice, that after seven years, um, if you had any debts or anything like that, it will be removed. That's Jubilee. If the enemy has taken something from you, it will be restored back to you, a time of rejoicing after seven years. Um, it's more of removing and receiving. You understand? Yes, that makes better sense. See, because we, so you know, they follow a different calendar. It's to remove something. Yeah, they follow a different calendar. Every seven years, okay, it's a continuous. It's a continual cycle. Every seven years, a year of jubilee. That's actually uh, 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 that's one of God's feast days that the Jews celebrate celebrate on. Actually, that in reality, even today, that the year of jubilee. But we have to look at that in a spiritual sense. That whatever the enemy has robbed from us, have taken from us, God wants to restore. He wants to give back unto us seven times, sevenfold. Whatever okay. the enemy has taken for us spiritually, he wants to bring that restoration, that jubilee, that we may rejoice in him and celebrate him for what he has done. Did, did that bring clarity? Okay. Yes, yeah, that makes sense now. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Betts. Uh, your dad is on the line. Do you have any questions? I don't think he does. Okay. Oh, no, he's not off the line. He got off. He got off the line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because he, he, mm -hmm. he don't want to hear the truth, but he got off the line. <laughs> Hold on, son. Thank you, yeah. Father, for this word, Father. We thank you for truth and righteousness, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, that my son, Stefan, Father, even though he's going through a rough patch in his life, that you would bring restoration and restore, Father, that, 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 that spirit of joy that he had when he was young, Father God, that, that spirit of happiness, O oh Lord God, that that you would shine forth through him and in him, O oh Father. I ask, O oh Father, that you would make provisions for him, O oh Father, that you would provide all that he needs, that he would, Father, begin to confess out his mouth that you are Jehovah Jireh, that you are his provider, O oh Lord God. Thank you, Father, that you are opening doors for him and that you are giving him favor, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that he has peace in his heart, O oh Father, as you be begin to pour the healing balm of Gilead upon him, Father. Thank you, Yahweh, for truth and righteousness that abides in him. And I ask, O oh Father, that you would personally, Father God, give him a visitation, Father, that you would come and sup with him, Lord, and he with you. That, Father, as he spent time with you, Lord, that you would speak to his heart, through your word, Father. Thank you, Yahweh. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. This session is no longer Remember being recorded. Work, sweetie?
Yes, yes. Oh, was, I thought you didn't have to work today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you asked if I had to work. No, I'm off for the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, hold, hold on, sweetie. Hold on. Yeah, your father got off the line. Um, your dad got he off the line. To take care of. Huh? Mm-hmm. He had business stuff to take care of. There was a lot of important stuff happening today. Oh, is he with you? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yes, he is. I'll share with him um, what was important. Oh, he's with you right now? Tell why he get off. As soon as I talked about who won the hair at the Kingdom God, that's when he got off. No, he had business. A business call and stuff came in. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, he's handling when there's some new contract stuff and things going on with the brokerage and everything you have to take care of. Oh, okay. But you doing okay, sweetie? Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, did, you call, did you want me to call? Did you want me call you by phone? Um, you can, but I'm getting ready to, to get on the road and go run some errands that we needed to do. Okay. Are you off for the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. I don't go back to work until uh, Sunday night. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I've been up since yesterday. Later. I was waiting on you to text me or call me. Mm-hmm. 